Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to another week of the show. It is July 6th, 2021, and I'm joined once again by Kyle Klingman up there in Cedar Falls, Iowa. Kyle, how was the 4th of July? It was really good. Not being with you on Monday, which we observed the 4th of July, was tough, but I made it through. Yeah, God bless. Did you do, did you do fireworks? I did a few. Uh, some friends of mine did some fireworks, and there were some kids there, and boy, they thought that was the greatest thing ever, man. They had those little crackers that you threw down on the uh, on the ground, and they just pop. So they were getting into that. You call them crackers? I call them, I call them snap and pops. But yeah, is that what they are, snap and pops? I don't know. Like little, I, they I, just I, make a little crack on the ground. I, yeah, I don't know what they're actually called, but that's what I call them. But that's neither here nor there. 
Um, enough, enough fireworks talk. Let's get to the show. We got Ed Ruth on the show today. Um, obviously, three-time NCAA champ at Penn State, 2014 world team member, uh, MMA, MMA career. And now he's going to be at the University of Illinois as an assistant coach. Ed, thanks for joining us today. How you doing? I'm doing good. Awesome, man. Um, so I guess we'll just get it. You know, I do want to back up and talk about your wrestling career, but but how did this all shake out? I know you, you were fighting for a little bit. You, you ended up at North Carolina State. Now, it seems you said this was kind of unexpected, the move to Illinois. Can you kind of let us know how this all kind of took shape? Uh, well, I was still doing the fighting, and, you know, as that wasn't really panning out, I was in the process of making a big move back to PA, and I just, you know, some things just happened here and there. I got intercepted, and there was a few calls made, and there was an offer made from Illinois. You know, Mike Poeta got on the phone, got on the phone with me, and we just started talking, and yeah, just made me an offer I couldn't turn down. All right, that sounds that sounds pretty awesome. You said you were you were planning on a move back to PA. Was it was there anything specific, or was it just like move back there and and figure out the next steps? Yeah, pretty much. Just move back, figure out things. All right, cool. Uh, yeah, timing timing seemed to work out in your favor on this one. Um, but I, I kind of want to go back to the beginning, like just understanding how you got involved with – what's that? I said strangely so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But but how old were you when you, when you first started wrestling, and how did you get introduced to the sport? I was eight years old, and uh, honestly, I just saw it on TV. I just saw WWF and just wanted to be a WWF superstar. And yeah. Then I go into the wrestling room. Next thing I know, everybody's on the mats and they're wrestling around. I'm like, what's this? This not this not wrestling. So, you know, and then I found out that was wrestling that day. <laughs> were you disappointed? Did, did, you, did you like it? Did you not like it that there were no turnbuckles and elbows and, and everything else? I think the – my initial introduction into wrestling made me not like it just because my expectations were so high. I expected so much adrenaline and all that. And here I come and, you know, it was, this is all it was. But, you know, honestly, as I stuck with it, I grew to like, um, I grew to like wrestling just because, because of uh, the grind, the grind aspect of it, you know, and the discipline. And I was just learning the technique so fast that it, it just kind of grew on me. Sure. Uh, you know, I was learning the technique so fast. Did you like, did you have success right away? Were you pretty good from the start? Did it just kind of come naturally? Uh, I was very athletic. So that kind of, that kind of covered where I wasn't at, where I wasn't technical. And then where I was technical, you know, power wasn't flexible enough. So, you know, I just had a lot of things that kind of just worked in my favor. Was, was it a wrestling-rich area? Harrisburg, right? And I know Pennsylvania is really big, and wrestling is a big sport in Pennsylvania. Was it a big thing at the youth level? Were there a lot of kids involved? Were your friends involved? Um, I mean, like, at my school, no. no. My kids, none of my friends were involved. If anything, I felt like I was the only person doing it. But, you know, as, as I went out for the team, because what happened first? Actually, I started wrestling in elementary, and my school did not have an elementary team. So we were just, so I was just, I was practicing with another school in the beginning. So all my friends were actually from a different school. <laughs> I never met these kids before, you know. 
So it was like, honestly, I really felt like I've always, I've always kind of been doing this sport, but I never really had like that, that group of friends around me. It was really my mom who pushed me a lot. Of it. Really? Why did she push you? Because she, she saw it as uh, what a lot of people do, right? The kind of sport that can mold you into a better person, give you structure, help you set goals and stuff like that. Or was it because she thought you liked it and, and wanted you to excel at it? Or maybe it was both. Uh, I think she just wanted me to get out of the house and start watching TV. <laughs> but other than that, it was, uh, she, I think it was more for the routine and the structure. Because when I was younger, we didn't really have too much, uh, too much structure, too much routine. And I guess she just liked that aspect of it. Did you, did you notice that it, it was something that was giving you structure and routine or at that age, are you just kind of doing it and you don't really even understand that part yet? Um, I mean, like I was a kid at the time. I mean, like I was noticing the structure and routine. I, I was noticing I was more built than my classmates. But other than that, you know, I still kind of fought and hated every step of the way. I'm like, man, I got to do this again tomorrow. The season never ends. This is over the summer. There's a whole nother season. There's a freestyle. Like every step like made me more angry because I was like, <laughs> I don't understand this at all. So, so yeah, you know, I, it was like, I was like, okay, there's structure in my life, but I also wanted to have a childhood, but you know, it's, you give you sacrifice some things, you get a lot more in return. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's obviously paid dividends. It's just landed you a, a, a very good job, um, and it's probably taken you around the world and whatnot. At, at what point, you know, you go from liking the structure, but maybe it's a little too much, right? And, and wanting a little bit more free time. But at what point did you like start to set goals or think? Maybe when you're a kid, did you? At, at, was there a point when you're like, man, I'd like to be a state champ, or I'd like to go to state or I'd like to, and that's, was there any point in high school and you're like, man, I want to go on to college. Like when did maybe a little bit down the road start, uh, you started thinking that way? Uh, right when I got in, when I was in high school, my senior year, I kind of took it a little bit more serious. When I went to Blair Academy, I left Susquehanna and went to Blair Academy. And it was just, I was out in the world, in the real world. I was like, okay, so now I have to, everything kind of is up to me. I have to, go to training by myself, I could eat, get my own food, and you know, there wasn't nobody watching over me at that point. So when I went to Blair, that's when it was like, okay, I really see something out of this because I'm still doing well and I'm on my own, I'm not around my parents, I'm actually getting a taste of what it's like to provide for myself and be independent in somewhat, and some, some just closer than you know, actually living at home and going to high school there. So it was definitely around my senior year. What was the impetus? What was what what caused you to even think, man, Blair Academy? I'll go there. Um, you know, how how did you end up at Blair Academy for a year? Oh, I wasn't even thinking about it. What happened was my coach Marat, um, his name's Marat Tomiyah. He's uh he used to coach this club this club called Iron Eagle, and he he actually was from Blair and he knew Buxton, so he introduced my mom to Buxton and my mom took me out to Blair. Cause he was either you can stay here and become a PA state champ, but you don't really have a lot of guys that's around your weight that you can that, that will compete with you and push you to the next level. It's a possibility you might become a state champ, but it's like you're still kind of playing with your future here. He said, or you can go to Blair, 
where you'll have way more guys that are, that are top echelon, elite wrestlers. They'll push you to the next level. You knew Bucks things like Bucks is a great guy. It's a great, great school, great institution. So, you know, he, that's how he sold my mom on it. And then my mom put me in it. They sent me out there. I was scared at first. I was like, I heard it was an all boys school at first. I was like, no. I was like, I don't want to go out there. I was like, send me to a mixed school. But then I found out they had they had both girls and boys. So, um, what what did I guess what you know you, you touched on it, but like what did Blair Academy do for you wrestling and and otherwise? Um, just getting accustomed to like you said, maybe doing more on your own. Structure, structure, routine. You can't be late to things. And it was it was um it was structured a lot like a college, so they have block schedules. It wasn't just a regular schedule; it was a block schedule. So you would have a certain class on Mondays and Mondays, Wednesdays, one Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then Tuesday and Thursdays you have a certain class. It was set up literally just like a college, and you had to go to your you go to those classes. You have to be on time. It was uh there was a dress code, so there was a lot of there was a it was that, and then on top of that there was wrestling where you know. Buxton doesn't mess around. He runs a very tight program. So it was like, with those two things, it was just like, you know, I had to be on top of everything. I couldn't really mess up. You said you were scared, right? And partly because you thought it was an all-boys school, but maybe because there's just this fear, this unknown, right? Something you had never done before. You know, the, the, that maybe fear or whatever you described that you had versus when you got there. Were you, were you more at ease? Were there still struggles to overcome? Uh, there definitely was. Uh, there was so much structure. I, I struggled with that at first. And, and every time you come late or if you have any type of disciplinary action, then they come down on you hard. It's not like they give you a break. It's, they make sure that they correct you immediately. That way it, it doesn't continue on. And I felt like I kind of was getting into the whole routine of everything very slowly. I just I just didn't like it. But then after a while... It, you know, you gotta you gotta stay there for your whole year. My parents were just good at supporting me and talking me that talking me off the ledge and you know. What about your wrestling? How how did your wrestling develop in that one year versus maybe the three years prior in high school? Um, I just felt like I had uh there was just so much focus. Like everybody was there. In high school, guys could not come to practice and then there's no consequence. And you can't do that if you're at an academy. Or, you know, at Blair, you just couldn't do that. You live there. You're on the campus. If you don't come to practice, you know, somebody's knocking on your door looking for where you're at. Or if you're home, you know, you're just a, a short phone call away. But it was those guys were there. They were present. It was consistent, structured workouts all the time. Well, how would you describe Jeff Buxton as a coach? Um, I thought he was an awesome coach. I thought he was very good at just getting the respect out of the guys. He kept the intensity in the room high. He knew how to motivate you. Uh, if you, you know, you just never wanted to be on this bad side. And sometimes you see that the relationship some of the coaches have with their with their wrestlers is, you know, we're both friends, you know, arm in arm, friend, friend. But Buxton was like, okay, you listen, I teach, you know? And it was like, and I, and I like that authoritative, authoritative role because it just kind of made it, it made it easier for everybody to kind of get better together. I felt like a lot of times when I was in rooms, the guys were just, there was just always these allegiances, like these little clumps of friends. And then, you know, this group did that, that group did that. And then it's like everybody's completely ignoring the fact that we're at wrestling practice. 
Um, were you there when he cut his finger off? Or did he have it? Did he I, not have it? I was not. Actually, when I first went up there for my, uh, my first trip up to Blair, he had all of his fingers. And after every practice, we shake hands. So I shook his hand. And then after that, it was that summer I committed to Blair, and I came back, it was gone. And then I shook his hand again. So I had like a before and after thought of like shaking his hand. Like it was so much slimmer the second time I shook it. I was like, whoa. But it, it was like, they told me how it was. They were like, his finger was hanging off and the way that they did the surgery, they made it look so awesome. Like you wouldn't even notice. So like when I shook his hand, I didn't notice that he was missing the finger. I heard the story, but I didn't notice. But I remember I was like, man, his hand's so, it's so skinny. And I was like, oh, 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 snap. <laughs> he was like, yeah, he's missed the finger. Cause he would like raise his hand up and then that one be gone. Yeah, yeah, they did a good job. You, you know, if you didn't know, you can hardly tell. Uh, yeah. So you start you, you started looking for colleges, right? What was that process like? Did you take all your recruiting trips or did you just, did you just want to go to Penn State and that was that? Um, actually, I, I looked around. I went to um, I went to Michigan, Pitt, Penn State, and I saw Virginia. I took a visit there. I think that's about it. What was it that What was it about Penn State that you know that made you want to go there? The honest story, or. <laughs> <laughs> Do we want the honest yeah. story? Okay, the honest story. Of oh, course. Geez. Hold on, I think my cat's trying to get in my room. Give, give me a second. <laughs> I love this. Yeah. I love that chair. Yeah, it's a nice chair. It looks like a big I'm game chair. I'm glad we chair. got to see that. That's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, that wasn't my cat. That was my son. <laughs> uh so i get to penn state and it was on a sunday i actually left Pitt because i was at Pitt. i was doing a recruiting trip up there i left Pitt and came up to penn state on a sunday i wasn't even planning to go up to penn state my mom just said hey you should go there you can take a quick bus over there and then you can visit it and get it out the way i'm like sure whatever so i get there and one of my teammates are showing me out uh, his, and his name's Justin Ortega. So he's showing me out, and the place is like kind of destroyed. You can see it. There's little evidence all over the place. There's like a ripped up bush. There's a, a light post there. You know, some overturned. Um, I don't know. There, there was just like, just like dirt and litter all over the street. I'm like, what happened? What's going on? They're like, oh yeah, we uh we just finished beating Ohio State, and we came back and rioted. I'm like, riot. <laughs> That was the first time I ever heard of a riot. I was like, nobody riots, but you know, they rioted there. I was like, that's cool. I was like, this sounds like a cool school. And then you just, then as I was walking around the place, I started to feel the community and everything. And then they took me to this place called Are You Hungry? And they have this one sandwich. It, uh, excuse my French, it's called a fat bitch. And this sandwich was bomb. You know, it, it has like French fries, cheese, little mozzarella uh, fingers, and and uh, it has some of that um, that uh, lasagna sauce and all that on there. I was like, man, this sandwich is bomb. And then I look at the menu; they had like 
the the, the fat bitch, the, the fat drunk, the you know, the cocaine fries, you know. So it was like little things like that. I was like, this seems like a really cool place to be. <laughs> so I always tell people it was the fat bitches that got me there. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Hopefully that's not what kept you there. Or, you know, <laughs> Oh. I had to give those up in season, man. Yeah, right. Okay, fair enough. What what was so you I mean you came did you did you spend a year there before the coaching switch or was it like was were you in that like recruited by the old guard and then as soon as you got on campus it was it was the new guard? That's exactly what happened. So it's the second one. So like and I, I guess in, coaching staff yeah when did, i guess did you get on campus and you found out there was a new coaching staff or did you sign your letter and then in the weeks or months later you found out there's a new coaching staff how would you find that out and yeah and and what did you know yeah. what was that like well when i was at blair they sent me a letter and then i signed a letter of intent and sent that in and then they were like they're about to fire your coach and i didn't i wasn't really paying attention i was like okay what does that mean they're like they're gonna start looking for a new coach so the whole time I'm like, I didn't know who my coach was. I was just waiting. Just I was just I was just there, kind of watching on Facebook, and people were just like sending me comments like, "Oh, Tom Brands might be a coach. Kale Sanderson might be a coach. Uh, this new guy might be a coach." And then eventually, it just it settled on Kale. And at first, and I'm embarrassed to say this, at first I didn't know who he was. I'm like, "Kale, who's Kale?" They're like, "Bro, you have Kale as a coach." I'm like, "Who's that?" <laughs> like, dude, you have his shoes right, right behind you, <laughs> like a shoe rack. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's, that's so that's my coach. What do you do? <laughs> They're like, bro, you should not be a wrestler. <laughs> so you came for the fat bitches. You stayed for Kale. Stayed for Kale. He turned out he was a pretty cool guy. Yeah, yeah, he's he's done all right, obviously. Um, I don't know. When do, do you remember? Like the first, there had to be a first team meeting where he like, "Hey, I'm Kale. Nice to meet you guys." And I, I, this is my plan, or this is this is how we run the team. Do you remember? Like, I don't know the first the first couple first team meeting or or, or whatever, and like what it was like. Um, <clears throat> I mean, like every everybody came in, and. He makes us sit on the bleachers first, so you sit on the bleachers, introduce himself. It was like a pretty, pretty tame introduction because I already met him before that. You know, I felt like everybody kind of had their one-on-one -on -one time to meet him before they even got to that first meeting. And like my first time meeting him, I think I was, I was, I might have came up during the summer, and I remember wrestling him. You know, he just threw me all over the mat, completely embarrassed me. You know, I was like, oh man, <laughs> so. That was my first make, meeting with him, but the the one as a team, I mean, like he just he just came in, everybody, and he's not like really like in your face, like, hey, I'm Kale, this is what we're gonna do, do this thing. It was like more like, hey, what's up, guys? We're gonna do this. We're gonna come in five minutes early. Like he just like he really just kind of broke everything down and spoke to us like human beings. So, sure. Um, I mean, was there any? Any talk of like, hey guys, we're gonna we're gonna change things, we're gonna do big things, we're gonna, you know, did he lay out a vision or was it just like this is how we're gonna approach day to day? They uh, 
they gradually introduced it to you day to day, but when you first look at the schedule or you, as you're first going through it, you're like, oh, this isn't so bad. But, you, but you know, as like time goes on, it, it, it can get a little tough, especially in the beginning. And I feel like in the, once the season starts, you're trying to whip everybody back into shape. So I'm not sure if I'm out of shape and that's why it feels hard or, you know, it's maybe they're just trying to weed out the weak ones. But, you know, later on, later on in the season, everything got a lot smoother. You, you got to catch up to the routine and finally in shape and everything runs pretty smoothly. What was a bigger adjustment going from, from your high school to Blair or going from Blair to Penn State? Um, I have to say from my high school to Blair, when I went from Blair to Penn State, I kind of felt like I was already being introduced to a lot of those uh, – a lot of those values of like just being on time, time management, <clears throat> just, uh, you know, just understand that there will be consequences. If certain things happen when I was, when I was leaving from, from my high school to Blair, you know, that was, I felt like that was such a big change because when I got in trouble in my high school, it was like, nobody could get bad at me, but my parents. But if I got in trouble at Blair, then I was at trouble at Blair and I would get, corrected at Blair and then I had to stay at Blair. You know, I was still there. So I, <laughs> I felt like no escape. I, <laughs> there was no escape. It was like I didn't want to make these people mad at me. You know, I didn't want to be disciplined the whole year. That was that would have been awful. Because you know, up there it's like if you wasn't allowed to go anywhere on the weekends you'd be bored. Because there's only four hundred people there and then once everybody leaves over the weekend or over break or something, it was it was just really boring. You don't want to be in trouble during those times. But, yeah, I feel like the biggest transition was from my high school. Sure. Um, and I know, like, you, I, I kind of asked you this question earlier. I said, when did you start, like, looking bigger? You said your senior year of high school, right? You, like, started thinking, like, a little bit further down the road. And at yeah. that time, was it, like, I want to be an NCAA All-American? I want to be an NCAA champion? Or did those things not really start to kick in until you got to college? Um, <clears throat> yeah, that didn't kick in until I got to college. That was, um, man, that didn't kick up, kick in until it was Big Tens, like literally that Big Tens, the tournament. And, well, actually Southern Scuffle, I got to say Southern Scuffle, because I was like, you know what? I have the top guys of the nation at my weight, and I still was able to win the Southern Scuffle. So I was like, I was like, you know what? This must mean that I can do a lot more than what I'm expecting out of myself. You were underselling yourself, maybe, or or you weren't confident. You just were better than you thought. Is that fair? Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Because I was um, I was working hard, but it was just like you know I was putting in the hard work, but I was like I felt like it would take a lot longer to get there. So I was just working, 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 just putting my head down and just like whenever I picked my head up, I was like, okay, it'll be a brighter day tomorrow, and. You know, it was starting to happen right now. I was like, okay, are these results real? Because, you know, sometimes when, even when you're in the market, you're speculating, you see this stock going up, you're like, when's the correction going to happen? That's how I always felt. And, yeah, you know, and then I started, I kept winning year after year, and then I was like, okay, so this is actually proven. The correction just didn't need to happen. It was, it just kept going up, which yeah, is pretty happy impressive. <laughs> but that's crazy that, that, that's crazy that you didn't, believe or realize how good you were until maybe, maybe big tens. Um, and I guess we, we don't have to get 
all the details of all the years, but your freshman year, I think, didn't you get hurt in the quarters or the semis of nationals? Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I was actually hurt since Big Tens. What happened? Uh, it was just a, a minor knee injury. I uh, I tore my meniscus and it just kept clicking, just like would adjust and kind of slip out of the socket a little bit. Uh huh. It was it was like a very common injury. It just it was just a very annoying trying to get it back in the in the right groove so it like keeps moving. Yeah, like I as as that freshman season trudges on and you want to go to scuffle and you go to Big Ten and you're heading into NCAA's. Are you at that point or any point thinking like? Could I be a four-time NCAA champ? Which you probably wouldn't have thought a couple months earlier, but did that thought ever cross your mind? Or were you just trying to win that year and then whatever, we'll take care of the rest one year at a time? Yeah, just thinking about just that year, solely just that year. Yeah. And then, all right. I mean, like after my first, after my first match, or I think it was my second, I was kind of worried about my knee because I just, I felt it moving a little bit. I should have had it taped up, but I didn't tape it up. Dang. That's things. Yeah, <laughs> um, learn for the future. Yeah, yeah. But you, you came back. You took third that year, right? It's yeah. Pretty damn good for a freshman. As yeah. far as the team, like we all know what Penn State's done over the last decade, and they're still right there at the top. Um, when did you realize something special was happening? You know, like there's, you know, there's good teams here and there's good teams there, and maybe somebody strings two or three together, but – when did you realize, like, holy cow, like, this is, this is, like, people are going to look back, and this is going to be a ch chunk of history that people are like, wow, that, like, you, you know, you were essentially at the beginning of a dynasty. And when did you realize that something special was happening with that team? Uh, man, it kind of feel it after Southern stuff on Big Tens. And I, and I think, I don't know how long it's been since Southern Scuffle. I'm not even sure if we won it that year. It, it was either, it, but I remember it was that first year. It was either Southern Stuff or Big Tens that we won it, and you know, it was just like, okay, we haven't won anything like that in a long time. And it was like, okay, you guys are doing something that's pretty, that's pretty neat. Yeah, yeah, P pretty, pretty wild. Um, what do you think was 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 uh? What were the reasons, right? Why, why? It's, not, it's not just getting a bunch of good kids together, right? I don't think so. I think there was something in the formula that, that created that success. And what do you think it was about that environment or that culture that, that allowed this to happen, has allowed it to continue to happen? Um, it's certainly the culture, but it was just, you know, we had a lot of guys in there that were, that were growing. but it was still competitive in a way. And I think that's one of the things that really like drives a lot of guys on the team. Cause I knew that, you know, there was times where my, my spot was even threat, you know, the coaches would never tell you that, but you know, when they bring somebody in that, you know, they're like, you're like, this guy can literally dethrone me, take me out of the lineup. And if you, if you, you know, you, you don't want that to happen. Maybe if that happens and you're on a scholarship, then, you know, you're like, man, they, I don't take part of it. And I and I feel like at Penn State, there's so many guys that's trying to be on a team, that's trying to make a name for themselves, and they, they all want to be like the next 
you know, Andrew, David Taylor, Null, Bo Nick over you know, the next three times for Penn State because now that's becoming standard. And like honestly, like that's that's what drives that's what makes guys compete or you know, that that, that they push themselves in the room. And the culture that's there is um it's very hard to describe. It's 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 intense a little bit. Okay. Um and I mean, we all we, we know the the story at least to some degree. Right? You go on, you win three NCAA titles. I think he lost like maybe one match in three years. Um, just phenomenal career. You made the world team in twenty fourteen, um, and then you transition into MMA. Um, what was the decision behind that? Um, literally, I just wanted to try something new. Just wanted to go out there and you know just start all over again. I, I've never been scared at like testing myself just seeing if i can do or push myself or adjust to a, a different type of lifestyle or a different type of training just kind of learning something just expanding my boundaries and you know i found a lot of that in mma sure and where, where do we stand now you you won eight in a row you've won your first few you lost like two out of your last three i think or, or something but mm -hmm. uh are you are you i guess i guess you're not gonna fight anymore or was it? Was there ever thoughts to do it before the Illinois job came up? Or is it like done? Or is it like no, nah, the door's still open? Door's still open, but right now I'm just gonna focus on the job. Um, you know, I, like really, at this point, I'm not really looking to get in the cage unless I have to. But in the future, I really don't see myself having to step in the cage. But honestly, I just really plant my feet down and focus on this job and just really get after it i might you know I, honestly i might i might be retired sure i mean it would it wouldn't be surprising christina as you know full-time job at illinois um yeah. so that kind of brings us to where we are and it was kind of a uh a crazy dynamic because i think you said you're were, you're were heading back to pennsylvania anyways and, and then this just came up like was there ever hesitation or was it like holy cow this is like uh this is meant to be and i was going to make a move and and something presented itself yeah it, it was it was kind of a move that kind of presented itself and i took some time to think on it chew on it a little bit and then i just after I thought about it, I was like, okay, this is definitely something I need to do because I felt like this came at a time that was just so, it was like, like I wasn't, I was kind of in the transition period. I was like, man, what am I going to do? What am I, do I keep fighting? Do I wrestle? Do I do this, do that? <clears throat> I like coaching, so I didn't mind. So I was doing like a little bit of coaching here and there. I was coaching at Indiana or North Carolina State. And then as soon as the, the guy mentioned it, it was just like, everything lined up it was like okay i'm already coaching why not I just do some coaching this guy's offering me the opportunity to kind of just go straight into it and just seamlessly slide into the coaching role that you were looking for so and i know that if i if i was to continue fighting i would still probably come back and coach wrestling so i was like you know what might as well just get to it yeah um what do you like most? You said I like coaching, right? And I know you're at NC State uh, working with them, and I think the Wolfpack RTC. But what is it about coaching that you like? Showing the moves, rapport with the guys, X, Y, Z? I don't know. Just wrestling uh, with people? 
<laughs> I, I guess it's kind of like all of the all of the above. You know, you just you come into a room, you you're helping somebody develop every single day, and I've realized that you know being my being who I was, and I kind of I kind of didn't like it at first because I was like, you know, it's unrealistic. Nobody can do it. Whatever, blah blah. You know, I was I, I didn't like the fact that I was like who I was and what I accomplished. And I was kind of like getting away from that. And, and, you know, everybody has identity crisis every once in a while. And as I was coaching, I was like, man, these guys are going through all of the same stuff that I'm going through. You know, they're going through the same struggles. They're having the same problems. They're hitting the same roadblocks. So I was like, I can help out a lot of these people. I could just give them some of this knowledge. I could just, and you know, I'm a wealth of knowledge. It doesn't matter who, even if, even if, I'm training with somebody I'm about to compete with. I was still trying to give him information. I was still trying to help him. And I, I figured out, I was like, man, that's just kind of natural to who I am, my personality. And I was like, you know what? I can take this into coaching because I, honestly, I enjoy helping somebody get a little bit better at something to help them improve, you know, just even if I can just say a couple of words just to kind of calm them down, you know, they'll be like, you know what? This guy just, you know, Ed Roosh just told me that, you know, and I, and I was like, man, I could really use my position to do that, to really ease somebody in somebody else's way along their journey. Have you, have you, and I, and I know it was just recently announced and signed, um, you know, have you spoken with Poeta about like, I don't know, defined roles or you're going to work with these guys or these athletes or you're in charge of recruiting or X, Y, or Z also, or is that like just I'm on the program and then we're going to, we're going to hammer that out, uh, somewhere down the road uh yeah he kind of went through all the roles that i would be doing but you know he just he says you, you just learn as you go you just kind of just do it every single day you just kind of come in ready to learn and then you know bing bing bang you're coaching yeah sure um have you have you been to champagne i guess you probably wrestled there huh i wrestled there and i i've been there on the visit a couple times <clears throat> sure. Uh, all right. W one more thing, and then and then we'll let Kyle's got a few questions for you. But <clears throat> name, image, likeness, right? I'm sure you're well aware of this whole thing that just came out. What do you think this would have done for you when you were in college? And and, and how do you think? And I don't know. It's so brand new, and I don't even know if anybody knows the complete rules yet. But you know, I don't know. Do, do you think this would have been impactful when when you were in school? Uh, yeah, certainly. <laughs> you know, like make more money, man. That's that will make a lot of huge difference. I feel like uh, <clears throat> I, it will definitely make it a lot easier for a lot of guys that focus more on just their athletics. Because some guys they can't focus on athletics like other guys can because they just can't make as much money as they can. And this kind of makes the opportunity even better for guys who aren't really as popular as the guys who stand on the forefront. Because it seems like in wrestling, you know, you have to have like pretty pretty solid credentials to kind of like make a living for yourself. And now that we're putting this, you know, this kind of changes the, the whole field. It's like, okay, now anybody can make money. It's, it's just like Instagram. It's like anybody could be famous, you know? It's <laughs> like anybody can make money now. Anybody can have something. They're like, oh, you're a wrestler. You're on NCAA. You're going to be on TV. You just made the fun. You made nationals. Okay. you could, I'll give you a couple, couple some money to, uh, Put some on your socks, or I'll give you some money to, put, to wear this hat, or to wear this suit after you win nationals, or something. You know what I mean? So I, I, I think it's awesome, man. I really wish we had this yeah. back in our time. That would have that would have definitely changed a lot of things. It would have made a lot more people more focused. 
but you know, it, it, it's NCAA. At the end of the day, they wanted us to be amateur athletes. Man, as you were saying that, I just like the thought across my mind, like if somebody goes and wins the NCAA title on Saturday night, wherever, you know, like you watch the UFC and, and Joe Rogan comes in and somebody hands them a can of whatever, right? And that's their product. Like, I wonder if that's going to happen in the NCAA, right? Like kid wins nationals and he coach pulls out a whatever brand or, yeah. Hmm. Or some kid just like wins nationals and, he has a rip away singlet and he has on like <laughs> <laughs> brand name underwears or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. That'll be something. It's going to be really interesting to see how this develops. And we're like just scratching the surface on, on what, how this could all untangle. So yeah, really interesting to see that, how it goes. Um, and so we've got two, two more little segments we like to do as we wrap up the show. And the first one's with Kyle Klingman. Ed, I know you fought in mixed martial arts. You went into the cage, but you'll never have a game quite like this. It's called Sweat It Out. Five questions hoping to make you sweat. Are you ready to play? I'm ready to play. All right. Number one, we're going to test your Illinois history. Name at least one individual NCAA wrestling champion from Illinois. Isaiah Martinez. Yep. You got it. That's all you needed to do. All right, number two, a little tougher. Who did Mike Poeta face in the 2009 NCAA Championship Finals? Jordan Burrow. You got it. You're rolling. All right, name one prominent athlete from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, besides yourself. Reggie Bush. You're, you're rolling right now. I'm not even stumping you at all. How many times did you take down Kale Sanderson during your time at Penn State? One million times. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I believe that. There's no way to verify it, so it must be true. Yeah, that's true. It yeah, is true. <laughs> All right, final question. What is Babe Ruth's real name? Babe Ruth. Yeah, I feel like this is like a trick question. I feel like his name is Babe. It's not. His name isn't Babe. It's not? Oh, man. No. Oh, no. Babe John? Babe Smith? No. Is the Babe Smith in his first, <laughs> his first, no, it's His first name's George. Oh, George. George Ruth? Yeah, George Ruth, George oh, Herman man. Ruth. Yeah, so now you'll know. And then, and then I, I got a bonus just because I got to ask is, how did you decide what color of hair you were going to use at Penn State? Because I love that, I love the different colors. Um, well, the story behind that, originally I was playing the diet blue because I wanted it to, to match my singlet. And then I realized the singlets were kind of a like a metallic, navy whatever you know the penn state blue but it's kind of like very specific so i dyed half my hair blonde just so i could dye it blue but when i i dyed it blonde i was like okay this this is kind of chill so i left it blonde for big tens and then after big tens i was like okay now it's time for phase two now it's time now i'm gonna dye it blue and then i found this teal color inside of um i think it was sally's beauty market so i dyed it teal 
and it was like it was blue teal it looked perfect and then as i was wrestling every day i came in the room and it was like sweating out it was getting all over the mats and coming off my shirt it was coming off in the shower and eventually it bled out the green so <laughs> and everybody thought of it was it was for saint patty's day <laughs> which is always around the ncaa championship great so it worked yeah. out for you. So i was trying to have blue yeah. hair so it still came out great. It looked great. Um, all right, last thing. Uh, it's called wins and whoopings, right? So from the, from the total sum of all the matches in your career, is there one win and one loss that stand out as memorable? The win can be a big one. It can be over somebody who was really good. It can be over somebody who used to beat you or one where you came back. or For whatever reason, uh, 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 one match that stands out and is memorable to you that you won and then the opposite on the loss side and also kind of looking for like maybe the one of the worst whoopings that you ever took because everybody's everybody's got beat up bad at some point so i'm looking for one whooping and and one win and you can do either one first um okay uh so for one win i would say against the nick of state for stanford uh that was just a big match for me because it was i lost to that person and i was able to uh just kind of turn it around and meet him at even a better, a, a better, a better place to, to wrestle him. And I was like, okay, so that, that that means that I improved. I was developing. I was getting better. So that was a real pivotal match. Pivotal, pivotal, <laughs> pivotal match for me. Uh, my worst loss had to be. I would say Gabe Dean, but that was not it. I would say my my worst loss was um probably from it was in the beginning of the year, Mini Line Open. It was against Honey uh Mike Letts from Maryland. And the reason why I say that loss, it was my first loss and it happened so early on in my season and I was just I just didn't like the way how everything went down. You know, I felt like if if some things were a little bit different. Had I been a little bit smarter going into that tournament, then the results would have been different. So I kind of beat myself up just just for being dumb before that tournament. Um, worst whoopings? Oh, man. The worst whoopings I ever got was in the Penn State room. And that was when I wrestled Casey. Because Kale could he, – he could beat us, and you expect to lose to Kale. You know, you just kind of do his whole Kale thing, and he had great positioning. But then when I wrestled Casey, I've noticed that, you know, as soon as he would take me down, I could not for the life of me get off my stomach. I was like, nobody has ever held. I was like, even Kale doesn't hold me down this hard. I was like, this is the strongest human being I've ever wrestled. So I got to say, when I wrestled against Casey Cunningham in, in the room, like those were one of the, the worst the worst days. Like, honestly, I think I was so good off at getting off the of bottom because I hated being on bottom so much. Because every time I wrestled him, I just could not get off the bottom. So I think I was I would say that's that's one of my worst weapons. I've heard that uh, more than one time that, and I've heard people utter almost exact same phrase. Casey Cunningham's the strongest human I've ever wrestled. So he doesn't look like it. He looks kind of skinny, but uh, yeah, but he clearly. Him really well. As soon as he grabs you, you're like, what the? <laughs> yeah, man, that's great. All right, dude. Well, uh, yeah, I, I, that's probably pretty much everything I got here. Um, any parting words, anything you, you want to say before we let you move on with your day? Uh, no, I really don't have anything. 
<laughs> All right, Ed. Well, hey, congratulations uh, on getting hired at Illinois and the move out there and wish you guys the very mm -hmm. best of luck with everything moving forward. Sounds awesome. You guys too, man. All right. Thanks for having yep. me on. Have a great day, Ed. Thank you. Yep. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. All right. Great way to kick off the week, wouldn't you say, Kyle? That guy's awesome. I think that's <laughs> the first time I've ever really been on an interview with him. I just like his style. Just real matter of fact, calm, cool, collected. He's he's a good dude. I really like him. Yeah, he's laid back yet engaging, and uh, it almost interviews the way he wrestled. It wasn't like this overly in your face aggressive like style. It was just like calm and cool and smooth, and got it done. Yeah, almost every single time. Yeah, slap on a slap on a cradle, and you're done. Cross face. Good night. Yeah. So. He was good. All right. Well, move. speaking of good night, that's going to do it for the end of the show. Yep. I appreciate you, Kyle, for being here. Thanks to Ed Ruth for joining us, and we will be back tomorrow once again. Same bat time, same bat channel. I'm Mark Bader for Kyle Kleeman. We'll see you later.